We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. We are coming to you with another big episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. That is because we just wrapped up at Pac-12 Media Day down here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I am joined on this episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast by my good friend and fellow Ducks Digest writer, Graham Metzger. Graham, it's been a minute since we had you on, man, but really excited to have you back. How you living? Been good, Max. Thanks for having me back on the show. Uh, it was a it was a good day at Pac-12 Football Media Day, and uh, I think we can both feel. Hopefully, viewers can feel that football season's right around the corner. So, yeah, it's time time to get back to it. Yeah, man, it is. It's oh, we're right there. We are right there. Um, I said it on the last show. Like, I feel like just. It's like we can taste it. Football is definitely in the air without a doubt. <laughs> One of the coolest things just uh, – well, before we get into too much, quick disclaimer for, for those watching us live on YouTube at Oregon Football Max Taurus. You guys can always find the podcast first over there and then later on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, there is somebody doing some lovely yard work right outside my window. So I'm going to try to mute myself when I'm not talking so that we can minimize that. Or maybe he'll finish up his his duties and then we'll be able to to get on with uh with the show without too much of a disturbance. But appreciate you guys uh, hanging in there with me uh, as that might be a little bit loud and a little bit annoying. Uh, but we just wanted to you know we just got back from Patchwork Media Day literally like an hour ago. And we just wanted to hop on here and get you guys our thoughts and the latest from uh from everything uh, at Patchwork Media Day. So. With all that being said, let's uh, let's just talk about uh, you know the day, Graham. I think it was you know it was at the the Novo uh, in downtown Los Angeles, which was really cool, cool little venue. Um, you know we were like packed in like next to all these other reporters, um, and you know the, the coaches were up on stage, and then when we were kind of navigating to get uh, lunch and everything. Uh, it's like you're just like walking by, you know, other Pac-12 coaches and 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 players. You know, you're rubbing shoulders with them and everything. But I thought it was a really fun time. You know, just what are what are some of your early thoughts here? And and then we'll obviously get into Oregon. Yeah, it was surreal. Um, we were walking in right behind Caleb Williams. You know, going up the escalator and on the way down is Herm Edwards, Chip Kelly, UCLA and ASU players uh, right next to them. So it was it was really really cool. Um, you know, there's there's only one day in the year where you're going to have all of these competitors, these coaches and players that don't like each other all in the same building, as well as all the journalists that are tasked with covering them. So it was definitely unique and it was a really cool experience. Yeah, I remember when we were just arriving, we were going in the door and uh, trying to kind of figure out if we were headed in the right direction, because this is a different place from where we uh, where it was last year. So I uh, didn't have that experience to draw on in terms of just navigating but we were trying to go in the door and I was kind of wondering, I was going to ask these people that were at the door if we we're going to the right place and the people that were working the venue. And then I saw Caleb Williams and I was like, yo, Caleb, like we in the right spot, man. Like where are we supposed to go? Like point us to show us the direction we're supposed to go. But that was definitely really cool. Just being that close to a lot of people. I mean, it's, it's definitely kind of normal to a degree now. Uh, I guess humble brag uh, just because, you know, we, we get to, to be around the Oregon players uh, as reporters, which is a, an awesome privilege, but to your point, just about, you know, other players that we don't get to see very often. I thought that was really cool. And they're all swagged out in their, their various outfits. 
but that was a really fun time, man. And I'm, I'm glad you got to, uh, to experience it with me. And then I also had Nick Batty, one of our other writers, he was out there as well. Um, he has, we also have some coverage of the day, uh, on ducksdigest.com hearing from coach Lanning from George Klayovkov, uh, the PAC 12 conference commissioner about some of the, uh, you know, future, uh, implications and what the future of the PAC 12 looks like amidst all this craziness. So we got plenty of content over there as well as some, uh, expected visitors for Oregon on campus this weekend coming out of the dead period. So definitely want to make sure that you guys head on over to ducksdigest.com to get all your written content over there. But we're here on the podcast to break down our top takeaways from Pac-12 Media Day, obviously the Oregon perspective in all of this. I think the first uh, the first one I want to get into um, is a, a small injury update that we got uh, from Dan Lane. It wasn't anything too crazy, but uh, he was asked about uh, Justin Flo. Brandon Dorless and Popo Amavai, just kind of about where they're at and, and how they're doing, seeing that those guys missed spring practice. And this is what he said, quote, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about injuries. I will say all those guys are doing really well this summer. We definitely think they're going to be a big part of what we're doing this season. So definitely nice to hear that they're, uh, you know, coming along well. Um, nothing super definitive one way or another from landing in, in that quote, but um I think that, uh, you know, Popo and Doris missed pretty much the entirety of spring practice from what I was able to tell. And then uh, Justin Flo also missed a lot of spring practice, but he was probably the most mobile of the trio in terms of just what they were doing at practice. He was limited. Tosh Lapoy said that he had to kind of dial things back. And then Flo was really flying around with some 11 on 11 right before the spring game, which made some people think he was going to be able to go in the spring game. But I think that they made the right call there and holding him out, especially when you're open up against an opponent like Georgia. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, Justin Flo, just because of, uh, you know, the, his reputation around him as a very, very highly touted recruit, one of the top two, I think, in Oregon's recruiting history. Um, there is just unlimited hype around him, I think, uh, within Ducks fans and the Oregon football community, um, you know, uh, in the Fresno State game last year, 14 tackles, and then that's all we got to see for him of the season. Like he looked amazing. He looked like everything that we that uh, Ducks fans were looking for. And so it certainly makes sense that uh, people are checking for him his name the most. But Popo and Brandon Dorless, I mean, those guys are anchors on the de- on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and it's hard to imagine oregon having any success not just against georgia but just in general without those two guys consistently being there yeah those guys are absolutely going to be some pillars of uh dan lane's defense and certainly tony tuioti's defensive line uh i think that you want to have those guys back but at the same time they did make some additions in the transfer portal uh, along the defensive front particularly in the interior you have casey rogers and jordan riley following uh, Tony Tuioti from Nebraska out to Eugene. And then you also have Sam Taki Taimani. Um, so I, I think that just going off of what we've kind of heard, um, I, I would think that those guys will probably all be good to go by the time the season opener comes around against Georgia. But just obviously want to put it out there that that's not the official word right now. So I guess we are speculating a little bit. But um, I mean, they, they did miss, you know, quite a bit of time. And, um, you know, it's been... Uh, you know, let's see, we got April, it's been just about three months since, uh, since spring practice. Uh, so now that fall camp's getting underway, maybe we see them kind of start, start things slow in fall camp and then maybe they gradually ramp it up. But, but right now I would probably think that they're going to be good to go, um, by the time the season comes around. So just wanted to hit on some of the, uh, you know, some of the injury notes that we got. I'm sure we'll have plenty more, um, when we're able to talk to Dan, uh, once fall camp gets underway. Uh, let's see here. What else do we have on the agenda? Um, Dan Landing was also asked about a couple recent additions to the 2022 roster um, via the transfer portal. We all kind of already knew that the guys that were coming out of the high school level, right, Graham? Uh, but uh, there were a couple of offensive weapons that were added from the portal, specifically Caleb Chapman, the wide receiver from AM, and then Marquise Irving the running back out of Minnesota that was added to Carlos Lachlan's stable of running backs. So Lanny was asked about him and them and kind of what he thinks about them and uh, what, what value they could kind of bring to the team this year. And, and this is what he had to say. It's good to be able to lean on guys that 
have firsthand experience in games. We have 54 newcomers to our roster this year. So what, what I was able to take away from that, Graham, is, is just that they they saw that they're inexperienced at a couple spots. And, you know, what do you do to try to kind of bridge the gap is you, you go out and you get guys that have, uh, that have played a, a pretty decent amount of games. Definitely. I think that Oregon really had some serious losses in both of those positions. I think running back jumps off the page most. Travis Dye, he, I, everyone at Ducks Digest agree, he was the offensive MVP last season. Just fantastic after Verdell went, went down and Verdell left as well uh, to the NFL. Um, also in the wide receiver group, Devin Williams, he, he went off to, he's with the Ravens now. Um, so it's really smart of Landing and his staff to target these specific areas. Um, and I personally have been really, really impressed with the transfer um, portal and recruitment focus on wide receivers uh, just recently, just a lot of really quality talent uh, at the receiver position coming into Oregon from recruits coming out of high school and also the transfers like Chapman and uh, Chase Coda as well. Yeah. Those are going to be some guys to keep an eye on for, for this year's squad, but to just stay on the wideouts for a second, Graham, I think I was kind of of the belief that, wide receiver was the position that had undergone the most uh, transformation from a recruiting standpoint um, under Mario Cristobal. And then obviously Brian McClendon was the former wideouts coach for Oregon. We all know his path. He went out to Miami with Cristobal and then Georgia came calling his alma mater uh, and he couldn't say no. So now he's coaching with Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. But that's what I think one of the storylines that has maybe flown under the radar a little bit under this new coaching staff is that the wide receiver recruiting really hasn't dropped off at all under junior Adams. And I, I feel like he was a little bit more like an under the radar hire just because not too many people knew all that much about him, knew that he came over from the Washington Huskies, obviously Oregon's hated rival. And he had worked with Cooper cup, Kendrick Bourne, former Niner, by the way, you guys know I'm a Niner fan, no longer on the Niners, unfortunately, but I did really like watching him when he was with the Niners. So Junior Adams definitely has some guys to his resume, and that's only going to continue to grow. And then now he gets to Oregon. He had some solid additions at, at Washington, no doubt. But now he has Oregon behind him. And, man, he has just gotten so many top-tier recruits to uh, hop in the fold. Um, you know, looking at Jurion Dickey, Ashton Kozar, Kyler Casper. Like, he hasn't even coached in a game yet at Oregon. And you could say that about multiple guys on this staff. They're already recruiting dudes at Oregon, and they haven't – coached a game yet um and i mean i, I know jurion's getting uh, asked about here in the comments but he he's just starting to get a lot of offers now from these big sec schools ever since he got that fifth start of his name yeah max i think you bring up really good point there i almost feel like there's like a notification on these sec coaches phones oh he's five star all right let's put in our offer now um as far as it goes with dickie um but circling back to your point about uh, how Oregon's recruiting and wide receivers never dropped off. I think that if Oregon didn't enter with a new staff and uh, adding Junior Adams especially, I'm not sure that the wide receiver recruiting would still be as good. I mean, just last season, there was definitely some drama with the wide receivers. Um, and it's not hard to imagine. Uh, in Mario Cristobal's uh, system, you know, he had a few different offensive coordinators, but it was a run heavy. Mario Cristobal was focused on the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, this is why we saw Micah Pittman transfer out a, a highly touted wide receiver recruit um, when he joined Oregon. So I, I agree with you that the wide receiver talent being recruited to Oregon hasn't dropped off. And I think it's really, really good that Junior Adams and Lanning came in when they did, because I'm not sure that would still be the case if Cristobal was coach. Yeah, and, and another thing that you have to sell, I figure you have to sell these young wide receiver recruits on is that the offense is going to be different, that they're going to be throwing the ball around at, at a much higher clip, not to go on a, on a massive recruiting tangent because we want to get back to a Pac-12 media day, but you know how easy that is for me. We just, you know, talk about recruiting a little bit and then just, you know, keep keep going for, for days on it. But but yeah, we have to give the, the Oregon recruiting staff and, and the Oregon staff their, their props so far on the recruiting trail, but I'm sure they'll be the first to tell you that just landing the guy doesn't mean a whole lot if he doesn't do anything uh, for your team, for your program. 
Um, but yeah, let's get back to, you know, some Pac-12 media day focuses. Um, was We were talking, that point originally came about just because Lenny was talking about Caleb Chapman, Marquise Irving as some of those newer additions via the transfer portal for Oregon. Um, I feel like if I had to guess right now, we'll probably see much more of Bucky Irving than Caleb Chapman. Um, just because I feel like he's a little bit more of a proven guy at the college level. Caleb Chapman, to his credit, was a pretty highly touted recruit coming out of the state of Texas. I believe he was a four-star guy, um, but in his uh, couple seasons at AM, he he was battling some injury. Um, but I think what the staff probably likes about him is that he's another tall guy. They're, they're definitely getting a lot of length in that room, and uh, he's he's definitely got some speed behind him, speed to his game. So maybe they'll that they'll think that he can help them take the top off of the off of a defense. Um, but those were kind of some of the first uh, takeaways that I wanted to dive into here, Graham. Um, what's, what kind of stood out to you, you know, from getting to, to hear from Dan Lanning and, and, you know, we have, there were a couple of players there too. We could, we could dive into that. And then we were going to talk about that. Um, so I just kind of wanted to kick it over to you. What, what's kind of on your mind from today? Yeah. Um, I, me and Nick, we went and spoke with Oregon's offensive lineman, Alex Forsyth and outside linebacker, DJ Johnson, and it was really great getting to hear from those guys. Um, one topic that did come up a lot was NIL, um, which I, I wrote a story about that over on Ducks Digest. Go check it out. But um, it was, there were a lot of questions asked about it. And um, I thought the answers were very interesting because both of those guys, I think, represent how Oregon is different in the NIL game. A lot of people do say that um, Oregon is very good at NIL. And I feel like the way that Johnson and Forsyth explained their projects really showed that um, Forsyth talked about how they have financial literacy classes that Oregon student athletes go through. They knew exactly what they were talking about. Forsyth was saying, Oh, you know, we can't have guys going and blowing their money, getting ran down by the IRS. Um, little uh, rare joke from, from Forsyth there. Um, but um I think that Johnson and Forsyth showed both sides of the NIL uh, landscape at Oregon. Forsyth, he kept on talking about Hog Academy, which is uh, a uh, organization uh, that is was started by college offensive linemen, and it's all around the nation uh, giving back. In in this case, the uh, Hog Academy that Forsyth and the Oregon offensive linemen, uh, their proceeds went to Food for Lane County. And then on the other side, you have DJ Johnson. Um, and he is more maximizing his social media presence, um, getting involved with Division Street, which is they've released some pretty big uh, projects for Oregon student athletes with like NFTs and some some Air Maxes, some exclusive uh, shoes. Um, so that really stood out to me, Max, uh, from getting to listen to Forsyth and um, Johnson. I think they were asked a little bit more questions about NIL than they usually get up in Eugene, but their answers were very insightful. Yeah, I think that's one of the cool things about Pac-12 Media Day um, is that not only do we get to talk to some other guys that we maybe normally wouldn't, um, I, I will admit that I didn't talk to a lot of different people today as far as other schools and everything, but um, you know, there's there's other reporters that we're not used to seeing in Eugene um, that, that are, you know, they kind of get their shot at them and get to kind of pick their brains about various topics, and, and that was a very that was a continuing point that was kind of coming out throughout the day. I feel like every coach was getting asked about it. I didn't hear as much from the players because the coaches were, you know, in that main area that we were all always able to listen to. Um, but it was like so many times, like, uh, you know, with all the change that's happening in college athletics and college football and, you know, the, the transfer portal and, and NIL, it's just stuff that that's always had. There's so much change. That's just being conference realignment. That's just happening all at once. And I want to get back to what they said, but it just made me think about kind of a, a bigger picture thing that was surprising. We were listening to Herm Edwards, the Arizona State head coach, towards the uh, towards the end uh, of our time uh, at Pac-12 Media Day, and he was asked that question, and uh, it was just really cool to to listen to him because he just took that question and absolutely ran with it. And he was saying, "We're we're gonna something along the lines." I'm paraphrasing here. We're gonna be down the road talking about college athletics and, and college football, you know, 20 years from now or whatever it is. And we're going to be saying, remember what was happening in 2022? Uh, there's going to be new reporters that are going to be asking questions and writing stories. He's like, there's going to be someone else sitting in this seat, a new coach. There's going to be new players. There's always going to be this change. It goes back to that mantra that 
I think it's pretty commonly said the only constant in life is change, but he's saying, you know, that's, that's life. You just got to deal with it. You know, whatever's thrown your way. Um, so I thought that was kind of cool to, to hear from uh, a coach that I don't get to hear from very often. Um, just along the lines of, of everything that's changing in the era of college football and college athletics. Uh, you know, obviously that point going back to what, what you had to say um, from, uh, from hearing Alex and DJ talk. Yeah, it's, it's something that all schools are reacting to and uh, reacting to very differently. And uh, it was, it was cool to see that Oregon's student athletes, not even the coaches talking about it. It was really cool to see the student athletes be so informed about what was going on because I feel like most people, myself, even at times is like, all right, what's going on with NIL? What's up with these big, you know, deals that are floating around. Um, so it was really cool to see Johnson and Forsyth be really on top of their name, image, and likeness, and just being really in control of how their name and, um, how they profit off themselves, uh, is out there. And I really think that's what NIL was intended for in the first place. So it's cool to see athletes at Oregon going different ways with it and using it how they like. Yeah. Those were some two really unique examples because, uh, I think Alex Forsyth was calling uh, DJ Johnson, Mr. NIL. Um, yep. and, and cause he's someone who's been at Oregon for a while, uh, originally came out of high school in 2017, made his way out to Miami, then transferred back out West to, to play for Oregon. Um, but he was also talking about just shedding more light on the realities of, of NIL because it's, it's so wild. There were coaches that were saying, you know, a lot of people think that NIL is just straight up pay for player that it's being used to incentivize, uh, players to commit to certain schools. And, and maybe that is the case in, in, in some schools across the country. Um, but, you know, David Shaw, I remember he was very adamant about, you know, make, trying to be a program that, that uses it the right way. Um, and I feel like Stanford's absolutely one of those schools that, that can benefit from it. And just in terms of making an already attractive school that much more attractive, saying, you know, we're not really worried about the NIL money and you know, the money that you can have now, but rather the money that comes down the road with a Stanford degree. Um, but to go back to Johnson, um, he was shedding some light on just the reality of the situation saying, you know, it's nice because um, some of the NIL money, it, it was, a, I'm trying to, you might have to correct me here. It was just mm -hmm. along the lines of uh, the, the stipend that he had previously gotten and how that was kind of just about enough to pay for rent. But now uh, with kind of what he's getting from, from name image and likeness deals, it, it, he's able to enjoy, you know, a little bit better quality of life. Um, so he, he made it sound like it wasn't, you know, crazy money, but that's a thing that happens all across the country. You know, th people think that you're a big time recruit and you go to a big school and maybe you become a star at that school. But previously you, you really kind of at sometimes had to struggle to make ends meet in terms of just like the, the bare necessities, you know, having enough money for, for some food or something like rent. Um, so I thought that was just really cool to hear from, from DJ Johnson, who's growing his brand. He has 252,000 Instagram followers. I checked that today and that was way higher than I was expecting. And then I recently, he recently started his uh, YouTube channel that you wrote about, uh, DJ Johnson TV, and that's already past 15,000 subs. So I thought that was really cool insight to get from DJ um, as far as, you know, his, his experience with it. And we can talk some more about Forsyth as well. Yeah, uh, DJ was really, really wise, I thought, when he spoke about how, um, how NIL really works in the real world. Um, because he did talk about uh, one thing that he said that really caught my mind was just having a bit, a little bit better quality of life. And when you really think about the day to day of a college student athlete, it's it's jam packed. And he even said, yeah, there's no time to, for me to get a job during the football season when I'm practicing all day, working on my studies a little bit later, you know, multiple practices in a day, games, travel. It's really so much on the plate that he has no time to go get a job like that if he wants to still be playing football um and max you were touching on it a little bit but i really think that there's just such a misconception around how nil is used and like they really focus on like caleb williams deal or Jaden rashada's rumored deal and just the big numbers attached to it but they don't really think how that money is being applied um foresight as well you know he was saying uh i think i think both of them they they spoke about what they really wanted to purchase with um their like nil money and DJ Johnson, he said he wanted to get a house and, you know, start to try and uh, make some revenue in the real estate type of game like that. And Forsyth, 
he was like, oh, I'll just save it. I'll appreciate it when it's later in life. So going back to, you know, two different personalities, two practical real life applications of NIL deals. Yeah. And, and it's cool to hear these two guys speak on it because they're older players that have been around college football for a while. So they, they have a very firm grasp of what college football was like before the NIL era. Um, and with, with DJ, it's cool to hear him say that about the real estate stuff because he, he's recently engaged. So he's getting ready to, to start that next chapter in his life. Um, and he also talked about, uh, um, why he wanted to come back to Oregon. I think that was a little bit of what I caught at the end of his presser. Uh, just kind of saying, you know, if I'm, if I'm not a projected first rounder, then it's not much of a discussion for me. I, I'm kind of sold on coming back. And then for Forsyth, um, I thought it was cool that he was giving, you know, donating his, the pro, some of his proceeds to food for Lane County. Cause he also mentioned, you know, we're not a, a position that gets a lot of flash um, as offensive linemen. So it's cool to hear that he's, you know, putting that money back into the community to, to, uh, you know, try to help people that need it the most, uh, especially because he's a, uh, he's a local, he's from Oregon. Definitely. Yeah. Westland, Westland, uh, bound what, or he's from Westland, uh, Alex Forsyth rather. Um, yeah, I thought that it was really cool, uh, to hear the, both of them talk, you know, like Forsyth said, you know, he doesn't really have a social media presence. He's not, he doesn't play a flashy position. Um, so he was just very, I felt appreciative of the opportunities they have. And that hog Academy, um, with the, that was providing the benefits to uh, food for Lane County that happens every year. And the Oregon offensive linemen, uh, they always do it together. So I think that that that's another thing that might touch on a little bit later, but just hearing about how solid the Oregon offensive lineman group is, and it has been for years coming, but it's, it's cool to see that tradition still going on and used in a good way. No doubt about it. We're getting all kinds of cool insight from Pac-12 Media Day. We're going to continue with our top takeaways from Oregon at Pac-12 Media Day in Los Angeles. We're going to step away for a quick ad break, and we will see you guys on the other side. Stick around. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Duck Stage Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, talking with reporter Graham Metzger. Uh, we just wrapped up at Pac-12 Media Day not too long ago, so we're kind of, we've had some time to let things, you know, uh, digest. Shout out to Ducks Digest, by the way. Um, play on words, I guess. But yeah, let things digest and kind of sink in from, from what we were able to hear. Um, so I think we're probably going to go around another 20 minutes or so, but we definitely wanted to get some, some stuff for you guys. Um, and one, it was really cool, Graham. I got to ask Dan some questions uh, at, at Pac-12 Media Day. And, and one of the things that I was asking him, uh, maybe I used a few too many words for it, but I was just asking him, what will success look like for you and for the Ducks in 2022? Because one of the things that's really been on my mind uh, going into this season is Landon gets his first head coaching job. Uh, you know, Someone had to take a chance on him, and, and obviously it was Oregon. But uh, look at the time 
from an Oregon perspective. They, they're coming off, you know, a couple Pac-12 titles in recent years, Rose Bowl championships, um, and a 10-win season last year that definitely ended with, uh, you know, something left to be desired. Um, and then all this change in the college athletics, the world of college athletics. So I thought that was kind of the cool context to lay the question in. And this is what he had to say when I asked him, what will success look like in 2022? He said, I think time will tell. Ultimately, I would tell you again, we need to win every single game we're supposed to win, but our goal is to win every one of them. Again, I feel like we have the talent to be competitive in the games we're going to play in. Doesn't mean we have to play our best game every single week, but we want to improve. I want to see measured growth. Are we making the same mistakes in week 10 that we make in week one? I'd say no. If we're able to grow as a team, continue to develop, have that same mindset, I think that approach will be really special for us. So I thought that was, you know, cool to hear because you want to hear the confidence about, you know, I think we can go and go ahead and win every game. And that's the the objective because I know a lot of Oregon fans want that national championship. Although obviously a big step you have to take before you can get back there is getting into the college football playoff. Um, and we know how big the gap is between getting to the playoff and then winning the playoff game and then winning two playoff games to take home that national championship. But uh, I just really liked this from, from landing um, just, you know, very, uh, you know, calculated in his approach and is clearly someone who has a blueprint of, uh, of what he wants to do. I remember he said when he got hired, he was, you know, keeping a list of, 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 of names that he would want to uh, hire on his staff if he ever got to be a head coach uh, and kind of what that would look like for him. So um, I, I thought this was really cool. And, um, you know, it's a confident but, you know, measured, uh, you know, answer to what success will look like for his team this upcoming season. Yeah, and he talked about that uh, growth in the in his opening statement as well. Um, overall, I think I'm just really happy that Lanning is leading the charge for Oregon. Um, these are scary times, and the task ahead of Oregon to win a national championship is daunting. Um, like you said, you know, it's it's a gauntlet that they've got to get through just to even make it back to the playoff, uh, much less win two more games. But Landing doesn't seem scared at all, and uh, I mean he shouldn't. But it's it's really good to have confidence from the top, uh, and hopefully it'll follow all the way down. Um, you know, Landing he's he hasn't been shy in talking about he's really excited for that opening match against Georgia. Um, he knows that team better than any other coach in the nation, right? Um, besides, obviously, the coach is still at Georgia. Um, and yeah, so I I think that the Oregon players will certainly be rocking with that confidence. I know that um, when DJ and Alex were asked about how they feel about the the Georgia game, they said, "Oh, we're just taking it. We're just focused on our practice right now. We're taking it one practice, one rep at a time." Um, so it seems that Landing has his ideology already instilled in uh, the Ducks players. Yeah, and that seems like it's very reminiscent of what we heard from the Ducks last year when they were getting ready to play Ohio State. You know, very laser focused on one day at a time, one rep at a time. So that feels like it's pretty similar to, to what we've heard previously. Um, and, the, you know, the Ducks are definitely mature as a team because they, they've been able to, they've been there before. They've been in these big games before. It's not like George is their first matchup against a premier team in college football. Um and that was to, to echo your point about, um, you know, the familiarity there with, with Georgia and, and, uh, and Lanning. He was also saying, um, he would say, I'm sorry, I was just looking at a comment and I got distracted. Sometimes that does it, that, that, uh, that makes me wander for a second. Um, but he was saying, you know, just because I, I have that familiarity with Georgia, but they also know me very well. So it was kind of interesting to hear him say, you know, like, you know, I'm human too. You know, there's this, this goes both ways. A lot of people just want to talk about how I'm familiar with them, but they definitely, you know, know some of my tendencies. Uh, we've obviously heard about, you know, the, the disguise pressure uh, aspect of things and, and how that's going to factor into this defense with Tosh Lapoy and, and Matt Powledge, obviously having some, some pretty athletic defensive backs uh, at his disposal, coaching the safeties. So I thought that was cool to hear. Um, just as this, the anticipation continues to build for this game, it feels like it's the close. Well, it's literally the closest that it's ever been. But at the same time, when you're hearing this from from Lanning about you know just focusing on uh, the task at hand as well as the players, um, it, it maybe uh, you know isn't as close as we thought. I guess even though it's only a, a month away. Yeah, I I really like that point that you brought up and Lanning brought up himself that. The other, uh, you know, they know him as well on uh, 
on the on the Georgia side, they know his defense pretty well. Uh, especially, I would imagine, you know, uh, Stetson Bennett. He went through how many practices with Lanning going against him in practice. So I'm sure he's got a good eye for those uh, sneaky pressures that Lanning likes to send, like you were talking about. Um, but there's definitely some some uh, talent on Oregon's defense that I think Georgia may not recognize. And I we talked about it earlier. He always comes to the top of the list. But Justin Flo, we got to talk about him. If he is there, I mean, that's not a guy that you see on most of Oregon's uh, game tape if you're studying. So, and just his talent. I mean, I, I already talked about the Fresno State game that he played uh, the season opener last year. But it was just, he just flies off the uh, the field every time. He just uh, flies off the screen. He's so identifiable. And so, yeah, they do know landing, but I don't think they fully know the Oregon defense and their talent. My bad. I uh, I had to mute it because the because of the construction. My bad. Okay, where was I? I was saying that even though you and I have been um, around the program, or should I say the program, uh, we don't even necessarily know the full potential of this defense because guys have been hurt. Uh, Oregon was battling injuries all throughout the season, so we really don't know what that you know peak Oregon defense looks like, especially after losing so many pieces from last year. Um, so I'm excited to see what all these guys can look like healthy and, and, you know, going full steam ahead. Um, here's what I was thinking, Graham. How about we talk a little bit about realignment? Cause Dan was asked about, you know, realignment and the changes with college football. And then we also got to hear from George Klyavkov and then we hit some comments and then we wrap it up. Sound cool. Sounds like a plan. All right, cool. So one of the questions that Dan got asked was, how many conversations or how have you addressed the conference realignment stuff with USC and UCLA leaving? How often does that come up on the recruiting trail? Is that difficult to navigate? Uh, kind of like a three-part question there, but Lanning said, yeah, I think it's certainly a conversation. Like I said, our, I trust our leadership to be positioned for success. Oregon has always been a premier team in college football. I think we'll continue to be. Our fans are extremely passionate. Being a top 10 team when it comes to views and homes this last year, the ability to compete for championships year in and year out with coach with coaching changes and different things, that's still allowed Oregon to be at the forefront of competition. That will continue to be the case with our support outside of just the university, but also within the university. Um, so I think that goes to, you know, back to the point that, um, you know, Gary was saying here about how he loves how confident Lanning was. Um and uh, it was funny because now that I think about it, there were, you know, a number of coaches that were talking up their schools quite a bit uh, amid all this conference realignment stuff and, and just trying to hammer home the value that they could present. But I, I'm in full agreement with what Lanning says here, you know, regardless of where Oregon plays, what conference or what location people are going to want to tune in and watch them uh, because they are a national brand. And even though they, I don't think I would consider them a blue blood primarily because they haven't won a national championship. Um, but people are going to want to watch them and, and they're going to have a seat at the table when, when you think about college football and, uh, you know, the direction that it's headed right now. Yeah. One thing that Lanning said that, uh, hit home for me is that Oregon always goes and finds the competition this year. The toughest game on Oregon's schedule is not a PAC 12 opponent and it wasn't last year. Um, you know, I think that the Ducks have always done really well in scheduling tough competition from all the way across the country. You know, even thinking back to like 2019, uh, Oregon playing against Auburn as their season opener with Bo Nix. Um, Oregon will always be a team that other top teams want to play, even if just for a season opener or just a random game in the season. So Lanning was aware of that. And I really felt like, Lanning's uh, praise for Oregon hit a little bit different than some of the other coaches. Um, it could be biased, but the other coaches have been there. They're talking up their schools. Um, you know, we're, we're best. We know Pac-12 is a good conference. Lanning, I just felt like it was a little bit more genuine because he hasn't been a part of the Pac-12. This is his first Pac-12 media day, first season at Oregon, hasn't coached one game. And, um, you know, he still has that confidence and he, he wouldn't waver at all. Just like uh, Gary was saying here. 
Yeah, and, and that was cool too because he got asked some bigger picture. Um, he got asked some bigger picture Pac-12 questions, and he was saying, "You know, I I, I can't speak to that because I haven't uh, coached in the Pac-12 yet. I haven't played in the Pac-12 yet." Um, so it is a, a very unique deal, but you know, he's not the only person who hasn't. Uh, well, I guess I was going to say Kalen DeBoer because he took over at Washington, but he he's played some Pac-12 teams before, so he could probably speak to it a little bit more than he could. Uh, but yeah, to, to realignment real quick before we tackle some of these comments, um, it was really cool to, to finally hear George Klyavkov talk about this. It was interesting because that dude, I don't know if you thought this at all, but like that was when we got there. Um, he was like, he didn't even, it didn't look like he had any notes. Like he looked like he had rehearsed the living heck out of that uh, speech for lack of a better word. And then they had, uh, you know, some, some, uh, you know, Q and a between the reporters and a couple of the other PAC 12 representatives um, but one thing that he said was that, and Nick talked about this in his takeaways article, uh, on, um, you know, the future of the PAC 12 was that whatever happens with the PAC 12, it looks like they're, you know, going to, as they're doing new media rights negotiations, it's going to be, uh, you know, probably with some kind of major streaming service. He didn't name any specifics, but he was basically saying that to, to try to get the PAC 12, the exposure that it needs to still remain competitive and, and be healthy, that, uh, you know, a major streaming partner is probably going to be the, the way to go and, and that they're going to have a significant say uh, in terms of uh, or more pull, I should say, with the, this upcoming uh, media rights negotiations. Yeah, it felt like kind of a lot of new faces today at uh, Pac-12 Football Media Day. Um, you know, people were asking Klyvkov, oh, how did we get in this position? And he said, I can't speak to the Pac-12 before, you You know, when I just started as uh, commissioner, he said, quote, we're behind. We have to close the gap in revenue. Um, it wasn't him that opened that gap, you know. Um, and so I could just see some relation there between how Klyakov was speaking. I can't speak for the Pac-12 and like how Lanning was speaking that same way. You know, they're both new. Yeah, they are. So it, it's, it's really fun. I think it just adds to the excitement of this upcoming season with all the new faces that we have around. Um, and really I have to go back and, and, you know, listen to more of that and watch more of that, um, you know, exchange with the Q and a, cause there was just so much stuff being thrown around and so much at once, but let's hit on a couple of these questions before we get out of here. Uh, questions and comments, I should say, this is actually one significant update that I didn't know until I got onto the show and I had to look when you were talking, but one of Oregon's premier running back targets in the 2023 class, Richard Young has announced his commitment to Alabama. Uh, in a massive win uh, for the Crimson Tide. Um, you'll remember, if, if you'll know if you follow recruiting, that they landed Georgia legacy Justice Haynes, who's another top caliber running back in the 2023 class. So this was tough because it looked like Oregon was starting to pick up some momentum for Richard Young um, on the recruiting trail, even though he was all the way out there in Florida. But, you know, it's it, to a degree, it's not surprising just because Oregon has to overcome that distance and those SEC programs are going to have a better shot just purely based on location frequency of visits and those sec programs have a very accomplished history and i mean what more do you need to say when, when it's alabama so the ducks are going to have to shift their their uh you know priorities here a little bit at running back i know jeremiah loves another guy that they've uh, been pretty high on this cycle but uh that's someone i'm gonna have to uh something i'm gonna have to look into a little bit more tough tough uh tough blow for oregon uh missing out on, on richard young a guy that they didn't realistically look like they had a shot at you know a couple months ago but credit to Carlos Lachlan and the staff really turning up the heat and, and landing in his top three and, and being legitimate contenders here. Yeah. Um, I think even just today when we were at uh, media day, we were starting to feel a little bit more that Richard Young might be feeling a little, the ducks, but um, it just, it, it goes to show you that Alabama is still Alabama, you know, whatever, um, whatever happens with realignment, you know, with NIL, all this stuff that we love to talk all day about. Alabama is still Alabama. Saban's still Saban. And if uh, they really put their mind to it and they want a recruit, I don't know if there's too many schools that can really do anything to stop it. And I think Oregon here, you know, no credit for not getting the guy, I guess, but they, they were in this battle all the way to the end with two of the strongest recruiting schools in the nation. Absolutely. I think that Bama is one of the handful of schools that can just turn it on and flip the switch and like, okay, yeah, let's start uh, recruiting and, and you know putting the press on these guys. 
Um, so not a huge surprise, but uh, definitely a significant update that we wanted to touch on. For you guys here in the live chat, sorry, we're getting some some uh, suspicious links in the, the live chat. So I, I always try to keep an eye on that and block those. Lots of spam, inappropriate stuff that have no business on my channel or anywhere on the internet. Um, so appreciate you guys hanging in there with me. Uh, let's see here. Uh, looks like Jurion Dickey was being asked about. Uh, he's getting a lot of uh, SEC offers. The most recent one, I believe, was Georgia today. Um, and then I think AM was one earlier this week. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah. So see me on the big screen is asking about him posting the offers saying, you know, I know it's a verbal commit, but doesn't seem like he's hundred percent in. I, I don't want to speculate. I think like we were talking about a little bit earlier, you know, a lot of these sec programs are taking a closer look now that Dickie has that five star next to his name, but to, to so I don't want to speak on him not being hundred percent. Cause I, I don't, uh, I don't want to speculate on his commitment, but to, to his credit and to Oregon's credit, Oregon's been in his corner for a long, long time. They they were riding with him and showing him that faith with the scholarship offer before all this happened. So I think that that really speaks volumes in recruiting as far as just saying, hey, we, we've been rocking with you. You know, we believed in you when some of these other schools hadn't offered you just yet. And then he's a Bay Area guy. Junior Adams is a Bay Area guy. Um, you know, we all know how, how much Durian loves the outdoors and fishing, and that's definitely something he'll be able to do at Oregon. So I think it's it's something to monitor, sure, because verbal commitments are just that until you sign the dotted line. So Oregon's well aware that these offers are coming in, and, and I know that they're gonna do, uh, you know, do their homework and and, and keep recruiting them, uh, very very hard. I totally agree with you, Max. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier. I was joking that you know when that fifth star comes through on a recruit, these SEC coaches they get the little notification on their phone. Um, I think that, like you said, Dickey, he has that Bay area tie and I don't see any school on the West coast being more competitive or really competing for jury on Dickey more than Oregon already has. Um, so as if Dickey does switch up from Oregon, he'll be going far away from home. I don't know how likely that is. Um, obviously it's, it's disheartening to see. Uh, your new five-star commit post about Georgia, Texas A&M. He was in Miami this weekend. Um, but I think that the Junior Adams connection is really big for Dickey. And Max, something we talked about in person today is Oregon's quarterback situation coming for the next years. All right. Uh, Bo Nix is obviously here this year, but next year you're looking at a quarterback room as of now that has Dante Moore, Ty Thompson, and butters um that that's a better quarterback room than a lot of other colleges in the nation are offering for next year um so i think that's a really big deal uh for for dickie and some of the other uh wide receiver commits like kozar um that that will be eventually heading to oregon hopefully yeah so i think that's that's something another thing that oregon has to its credit already is that they have the number two quarterback in the country according to 247 uh, already in the fold and on these big schools, Georgia A&M don't have a quarterback right now, but Malachi Nelson just took a visit to us uh, to Texas A&M, excuse me, this weekend. So, uh, you know, that's, just, I wouldn't be surprised if other schools continue to recruit. I mean, other schools, just because you commit does not mean that other schools aren't going to come after you still. So that's uh, certainly an interesting uh, thing to talk, to touch on again, don't want to speculate on Jurion's commitment. He's done nothing to, uh, you know, suggest that he's not, uh, you know, gonna stick with his commitment. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I definitely don't want to speculate on, on, you know, where he's at with things, but he's still committed. And, and I know that Oregon's going to continue to recruit him. We have one really cool question that I wanted to hit on before we get out of here, Graham, is that cool with you? Just one more. Of course. All right. Cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Christopher says, Max, if you weren't a reporter, but as a fan, would you rather access, have access to attend every practice in zero games or go to every game but have zero access to any practices. I'd rather see practices over games. Yeah, I th I think I'd probably be more inclined to, to say practices um, just because the, well, there's more of them than the games. So if you put that all together, you're getting more access over the, the games, and you can always just watch the games on TV. But as we all know, uh, Autzen's a very special place, and, and that atmosphere is, is you know second to second to none, it feels like. Um, but I would say that, um, just especially after following the team for so long from a distance and then getting to cover them in person, 
um, that that's probably what, what I would say is, is going with the practices. Cause you also get more, uh, you get the press conferences after that. Um, you get to the, also the, the vibe at the practices with, you know, the huge speakers they have on the field, you know, all the players are, are super pumped and, you know, they're, they're, you know, goofy and just comfortable and having fun. Um, and then you also get to see other instances like Carlos Lachlan, you know, yelling at some of his players to, uh, you know, you know, do, do a drill the right way or, you know, uh, you know, do something harder. And like that fired me up, I guess, as a fan, you don't necessarily want to see that because maybe it means they have to correct something here or there, but that fired me up. And that was like one of my earliest memories of coach lock. Yeah. As a journalist, I, I want to say, um, practices just because you get a lot of exclusive stuff that you won't see, um, you know, behind the scenes, but if I'm missing every game, I'm going to miss the national championship. I can't miss that. When that oh. day finally comes, best believe I'm going to be in that stadium. So I, I definitely see where you're coming from, Christopher, but give me the games every time. All right, there you go. So Graham switching it up a little bit. Shout out Anton. We are a program podcast. Um, but yeah, no, we so we didn't get to everything, but um, man, that really flew by, Graham. Um, so we're going to go ahead and, and, and wind down here, but um Graham, where can people find more of you uh, outside the podcast? Yeah, make sure to come find me on my Twitter. I always mess up the point. Uh, it, it's right there. You see my little name, <laughs> Graham Metzger on Twitter. Uh, I retweet all my articles, my Ducks Dish stuff with Max. It's football season, guys. It's right around the corner. So you got to be updated on your Ducks Digest. Absolutely. Yeah. If you guys aren't tapped in with Graham already, you've got to follow him because he's going to be covering the heck out of the Oregon football team this year, hitting a lot of practices and games for Ducks Digest. So got to give him a shout out. It was really fun to cover Pat Media Day uh, with him today. If you guys want to find more of me, you can follow me on Twitter at mtorissports. Uh, and you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. I always do this at the end. Do me a quick favor. Take a second out of your day, smash that like button, smash the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so that you don't miss out on future live streams and share the Ducks Dish podcast with all your family, friends, Duck fans, anybody. Uh, we're just really trying to grow the community here and that's what we get to do when we're doing these live shows. So I really enjoy doing them. And then make sure you check out DucksDigest.com as we are just about to ramp things up for football season. That'll do it for us. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and taking some time out of your day to talk some ball with us. This has been another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com